Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, and you are listening to Transformational Energy Leadership, coming to you live from the heartland of America. Now, today's show is called The Next Level, What Insiders Know About Executive Success. So during this show, I encourage you to go to my website over commercial breaks. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com, where you can learn more about me and my business offerings, and you can also contact me. You can email me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can also go to this platform, that's voiceamerica.com, under the Empowerment Channel, where you can read up about me, and you can also, of course, find me on social media, on LinkedIn and Facebook. So for everyone out there listening, today's a live show, and if you have a comment or a question, this is going to be a great conversation today about executives and moving up and what, it, what does it really take. So today's show is called That Next Level, What Insiders Know About Executive Success, and joining me is Scott Eblen. And here's just a little bit about Scott. He's the president of the Eblen Group, which is a leadership development firm committed to helping executives lead and live at their very best. He's a recognized expert in leadership, global speaker, best-selling author and executive coach, and Scott works with many of the world's best-known companies and organizations, so he has a lot of real-life examples to bring to the conversation today. He's also an honors graduate of Davidson College and holds a master's degree in public administration from Harvard University, and he has a certificate in leadership coaching from Georgetown University, and he was actually a faculty member there for 10 years as part of that program. And here's a really cool thing about Scott is he's a registered yoga teacher. All right. So, Scott, I've said enough about you. Let's get the conversation going. Welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. Hey, Matthew. Thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad to have you today. And, you know, our discussion is really going to fo- going to focus on your most recent book, the one that I've been saying over and over today, that next level, what insiders know about executive success. It's your third edition. In fact, it's so fresh, it's not even available to consumers yet until next week on October 30th. So we're getting an inside preview today. I'm looking right. really <laughs> looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you think about this, you've written two books. Your third one is now coming out. What makes this one, the third one, different? Yeah, I'm so happy to have the opportunity, well, one, to speak with you, but also to have a third edition of The Next Level. Um, And I think one of the things that makes it different, it's been eight years uh, since the second edition of the book came out in 2010, and I've learned a lot. You know, I've just learned a lot in the last eight years of working with executives and leaders around the world and lots of different organizations. Uh, about the challenges they're facing, and I think the challenges have changed a little bit over the last uh, eight or ten years, eight to ten years, and how they're addressing those challenges, and maybe more importantly, how they're not addressing them. And so, uh, you know, the basic structure of the book, you know, from its first edition in 2006 is the same. You know, it's all about picking up and letting go. But there are a lot of new insights in the book that I've, I've gleaned along the way and some new tools that I've developed that I use with my clients that I include in the book. And so, you know, a lot of different things, but mainly just the accumulation of a lot of experience over the last eight years that I've been able to put in one place. 
And we're going to dig into those. You know, I'm hearing the phrase all the time about I need to level up and level up. And Mm -hmm. so for you, how do you think about the challenges of moving to the next level? Yeah, and it, that's that's changed for me as well over the years because when when I first wrote the next level book, I the people I had in mind were people that had that were like I used to be. I used to be an executive myself prior to getting into the leadership development field, and uh, I found myself as an executive in over my head a lot, <laughs> you know, and like you know, like you know, the expectations were really high but not very clearly defined, and I was trying to define them. You know, like if you're moving into the executive ranks, what is expected of you in terms of behaviors and mindsets that help you succeed? And I think that the book is still very much about that, but the thing that's changed for me over the years in working with people is I realize that it's not just promotion that's next level. It's really any situation that requires different results, and those could be, I guess I'm in the same job, bigger scope. Uh, my competitive environment has changed significantly, which everybody does all the time. My performance bar has been raised significantly over the last period of time, which happens all the time. And so really any situation where you have to get different results uh, and there are high stakes involved, I think that's a next level situation. Moving from that individual contributor to managing others, multiple teams and so forth. Yes, your book, absolutely, when you open it up, it's just so easy to read because anyone who's in a leadership space can definitely resonate with the challenges that you put forth in that book. And I really found it such a, a nice read. You know, in the book, you talk a lot about the need for leaders to pick up. You've mentioned this yourself. You get those new expectations on you. There, that, that requires a different set of skills and behaviors. And it's often hard for people to let things go that's worked for them in the past. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. Yeah, so I think about it, you know, when you're, when you're, I talked a minute ago about any situation that requires different results. Well, different results require different actions. You know, it goes back to the line mm. from Einstein about insanity. You know, it's doing what you've always done and expecting different results. If you have to get different results, you probably have to do some things differently. Almost certainly you do. And so that can be dialing whatever strengths you have up or down, you know, adjusting your current skill set and strength set to the outcome that you're trying to create or that's expected of you. That's great, but I don't think that's enough, you know, because Mm -hmm. these new situations and these new results that executives have to get, sometimes you have to pick up new skills and behaviors, uh, and other times you have to let go of skills and behaviors and mindsets that have worked for you up until now, but given what's going on and the scope and everything else, they maybe don't work for you anymore. And so, you know, the picking up and letting go, I think, is the main dynamic. And I've noticed, and I've, I've was in, a, I did a keynote earlier this week, actually, where I had 1,800 people in the room, and I, I was talking about this picking up and letting go, and asked the room, which is more challenging, picking up or letting go? 1,800 people at once shout out, "Letting go," you know. <laughs> and so that's that's always the case. Everybody thinks letting go is the hardest. Yes, it is. It is. And, you know, and and I know you've got you were endorsed. Your book was endorsed by Marshall Goldsmith. And he wrote what got you here won't get you there. And so certainly that makes a ton of sense. And so here's the five million dollar question off the bat here is, okay, ta-da, you're promoted. You're in this new role where you're overseeing divisions in an organization. How do you go about figuring out what those skills are that you need? Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to help the reader uh, slash leader. Uh, I want to make that explicit for them. Like I, you know, like I said, the expectations are high, but 
quite often not very well defined. And so the way I present it is it's all about leadership, how you show up as a leader, a.k.a. leadership presence. And Mm -hmm. I think you can break it down into three sets of behaviors. There's personal presence, which is about how you manage yourself. There's team presence, which is about how you leverage your team. And there's organizational presence, which is about how you engage your colleagues. And for each of those three big buckets, uh, manage, leverage, and engage, I'm talking about different sets of behaviors that one either needs to pick up or let go of. You know, for instance, one of the ones in managing yourself, the very first one, is pick up confidence in your presence and let go of doubt in how you contribute. I've identified eight specific behaviors that are really important to showing up with a grounded amount of confidence, not overconfidence, but confidence like, you know, I've, I've done hard things before and it was successful and I, I can do this hard thing. I, you know, I can rely on that track record and that experience and project myself with confidence instead of the doubt that makes you do really weird things as a leader and I think if you ask a, a bunch of people, best boss, worst boss in their careers, and you ask them why was the worst boss the worst boss, they micromanaged, they yelled, they screamed, they kept withheld information, whatever. And all of those things come down to insecurity. You know, they doubted themselves at some fundamental level, and they manifested behaviors in really weird ways. And so, you know, it's just I, I'm trying to help. You know, that, with that example, confidence versus doubt, I've got eight other pick-up-and-let-go examples uh, that we have a chapter on each of those in the book, and, you know, really just trying to break it down. You know, here are the specific expectations, here are the behaviors that are expected, here are specific things that you can do to build your skill sets around those behaviors and, you know, make it work. I remember reading in your book, you and I agree with you, you had a, a table, for example, one of your examples, you had a table of here are the behaviors you need to hold on to and here, here are the behaviors you need to let go of. Mm-hmm. And it really is, it serves as such a nice guide for someone who's in this new domain to go back and use it. I think you've, you even described it as almost like a, a coach in your pocket or a reference, a coach that you can have with you. I think something yeah. like that's what you, Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I want it to feel that way. It's a very conversational book, and a lot of people have told me over the years, it's like, you know, it's like having a conversation with me, you know, which is good. That's why, that's why I yes. want it to be, because I think that makes it easy to use, and, you know, it makes it an easy read. People say that a lot, and, uh, you know, I want it to be three three things, simple, practical, and immediately applicable, and, and that's those have been watchwords for us and our business for years because people are too busy for complex, not so practical, and what do I do with this? You know, it's got to be simple, practical, and immediately applicable. Right. And isn't it the learning space to make it quick, surgical in a way so that I, I don't have to, pro- or like you just said, overly complex? You know, when you were talking also earlier about managing, leveraging, and engaging others, and you're in the space where it's new and it's uncomfortable, there's that the coaching technique that we all use as coaches is to say, to say, all right, let's stop and reflect back in your career where there was something new, something you didn't really have a lot of experience in, but you navigated it and did it well. And what was it that you did well in that moment? And that's a good message to remind ourselves when we do feel like, hmm, am I an imposter here? You know, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. I mean, that's that's a a huge coaching technique, and I think it goes directly to what the example I gave. You know, it's it's how you help yourself if you're coaching yourself or how you help somebody else if you're coaching a team member. It's how you help them build their confidence, right? Because 
Mm-hmm. This isn't your first rodeo. I mean, you know, you've done hard stuff before. Let's figure out what you've done before that was really challenging, and you, and you know, you did it. You were successful. So let's break it down. And how can you apply those lessons learned to the current situation? That's a huge confidence builder. It sure is. And you know, you make the message loud and clear throughout the book. You talk about that to really lead at your best, you need to live at your best. And so, you know, from your experience, what have you seen in your work as an executive coach that leads you to that conclusion? Yeah, so I've I've seen so much of it that the second book I wrote uh, came out about four years ago was called Overworked and Overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I see a lot of that, honestly, in the people that I work with. And, you know, I think if you think about it, I talked about the manage yourself and leverage your team and engage your colleagues. I think of those three things as like a pyramid with managing yourself at the foundation of the pyramid. So to manage yourself, you really have to work on living at your best. What is the best version of you? What are the routines that you have in your life or need in your life that would make it likely that you show up as the best version of you as a leader or as a Mm -hmm. husband or a wife or a parent or whatever it might be? Um, and then finally, what would you expect to see in your life if you were living and leading at your best in terms of outcomes in three big arenas, your life at home, your life at work, and your life in your community? And I think when people think about it, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, if I want to lead at my best, I probably do need to live at my best. It's, you know, it's like one of those statements that's so true, it's like a no-brainer almost. But we get so caught up. And I think this is really true with executives who have so much on their plate and 24-7 availability with their smartphones and all of that. We get so caught up in the pace and all the things that we have to do that we forget the basics sometimes, you know, sometimes, a lot Mm -hmm. of times we do. And so that's what I'm trying to help my clients do is just remember the basics, you know, in terms of managing themselves so that they have the bandwidth or the the efficacy, really, to leverage their team in an effective way, and then they have the bandwidth to engage their colleagues in a meaningful way that creates value-added results. It really it allows you to be fully present. We hear that so much now. You know, there's that phrase, there's no I in team, but I do argue and say there is me in team. And what I mean by that is when we're doing everything you just said, when you're really stepping back and making sure that you're fully taking care of yourself, spiritual dimension, you know, your physical dimension, your relationships, all that stuff, so that you can be fully who you are, that's what people resonate with. That's when your authenticity really becomes vivid for people and they can experience the values that you espouse. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. yeah, all those great true. things. You know, we, here we are, we're at our commercial break. And when we come back, let's pick up the conversation and dig more into really thinking about th- those three leadership imperatives, maybe taking it a bit d- deeper and really understanding what executives need to know to be successful. So for everyone out there, stay tuned. Go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. We'll be back here on the other side in about two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. 
Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Sometimes the curveballs that life throws you are just too much to handle. You may have been abused. You may be going through serious addictions. You may be bullied. You may think it's over and nobody cares. Stop. There is a forum for you. Listen for Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out. Hosted by Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher. We give you a voice and provide an outlet for your stories. We can help one show at a time. Tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you're lost in the dating world and need GPS, if you're stuck in dating hell and can't get out, if you're in need of a dating intervention, then Done Being Single with host Trevor and Robbie Sharp is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, learn how to navigate single life and find the one. Tune in to Done Being Single Saturdays, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back. Today I'm joined by Scott Eblen. He's the author of the third edition of his book, The Next Level, What Insiders Know About Executive Success. And before the break, we were talking about really having a keen sense of who you are when you're at your very best. And that's when people will also connect and resonate with you because they see you living who you are at your very best. And, you know, Scott, you did identify in our last segment, there are three different things, three different leadership imperatives. You said it's personal presence, team presence, and organizational presence. And through your work and working with clients and such, how did you identify those as the three? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and, yeah, I, and I would just add that, you know, I guess I, I'm breaking the leadership presence down into the three buckets you just mentioned, personal, team, and organizational. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess just from my own experience as an executive, I mean, when I first wrote the book in, in 2004 and five was really when I was working on it for the first time. And, you know, there's an old cliche about writing a book, you know, write what you know, and and what I knew from having been a manager and executive for 15 years or so was, uh, and a student of leadership probably since I was a Cub Scout, honestly, (laughs) Uh, you know, I I felt like I knew the basics of what went into executive presence from my own personal experience, from being, you know, a senior HR leader in a pretty large organization, And, and I just... I kind of worked it out, honestly. It was just an iterative process, and I was, I was just trying to organize it in a way that was simple and memorable for people. So, and what made sense, you know, is it, does it really work like this? And you know, personal team and organizational, it just that seems to make sense, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've tested it over the years. We've, you know, we've got a 360 that's based on the book that we've run with well over a thousand people at this point, and we've got, some, I think, good validity with the behaviors and and the and the structure of the model and all of that. And then, you know, I'm always on this quest to make things simpler and simpler. And the language that I've, we've been talking about this morning around the imperatives, managing yourself, leveraging your team, engaging your colleagues, that's new to the third edition of the book because I, I think like personal presence, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I get it, but it's kind of mm-hmm. an esoteric kind of phrase, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, what is that? Does anybody talk like that in, in day-to-day life? Probably not. Do they talk mm-hmm. about managing themselves? Yeah, all the time. And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes, that's right. what I'm trying to do is, you know, just kind of like, okay, yeah, what is it really? Well, it's about managing yourself or it's about leveraging your team or it's about engaging your colleagues. You know, along those lines about managing yourself, why do you think it's foundational, you know, as a leadership imperative? Yeah, yeah. Um, it all, it, you know, everything starts with each of us, each of us, right? I mean, especially if you're a leader, one of my favorite things to, to talk about with leaders is if you're a leader, you control the weather, you know, mm-hmm. meaning how, however you show up, if you're the designated leader of the team or the organization, however you show up is completely predictive of how everybody else around you shows up. And there's a really fascinating article in the Wall Street Journal this morning. I encourage everybody to go read it about the culture at Netflix. And it's, it's an interesting culture. I'm not saying it's good or bad, it's, but it's really distinct. And that culture uh, flows directly from the CEO, Reed Hastings. And mm-hmm. so, however, Reed Hastings is managing himself in a 6,000-person organization called Netflix going to have a huge impact on all of Netflix, and it does, you know, and there, there are positive aspects of that and maybe some not so positive aspects of that, but it really flows from him, you know, as, mm-hmm. the, as the chief executive officer. He controls the weather. He sets the organizational climate. So if you think about what kind of outcomes am I trying to create as a leader and how do I need my people to be to achieve those outcomes? Do I need them to be enthusiastic and positive and innovative and things like that? Do I need them to be fearful and paranoid and whatever else? Mm. Probably not, but if they're fearful and paranoid, that's, some, that's probably because of something you and your senior leaders are doing, right? That's making mm-hmm. them fearful and paranoid, and that doesn't lead to good outcomes. So you've really got to be, I think, super intentional about managing yourself and, and not just like how am I showing up, but also how am I living my life because it's you know it's cause and effect you know yeah. whatever I whatever actions I take have an outcome and so you've got to manage yourself so your actions have positive outcomes. Right, going all the way down to how are you living your life and you know that was I I really when I was reading your book that made so much sense to me that yes leaders are the arbiters of the of culture that they do determine the weather. It just makes a lot of sense because we've all worked around those types of individuals, like you said, some of the paranoids and and the ones who are just overly optimistic, and it does impact how you yourself ex- execute the work that you do. You know, in your book, the other thing I really appreciate about your book is you've got some great practical tools, things that people can use to stop and reflect and ask the critical questions, and mm-hmm. one of them is your GPS. You, you call it the life GPS as a strategic mm-hmm. tool, and talk more about what it is and how it works. Yeah, so the, the Life GPS is a one-page 
personal planning tool, basically, and it's in the book, and uh, there's a web address in the book where readers can download it for free. But it's a one-page personal planning tool that I actually alluded to these questions in the first segment, but uh, it helps you ask and answer three questions for yourself. How am I at my best when I'm really in the zone, really in my sweet spot at work or with my family or my friends or out in the world in the community? What are the common denominator characteristics that pull through all of those situations where I'm in peak performance mode and really operating at my best? It's going to be different for everybody, right? But what are the Mm -hmm. four or five words that describe you that way? That then becomes a reference point. You know, it's like if you use Google Maps and you enter an address into Google Maps, there's a latitude and a longitude associated with that address and there are 24 geosynchronous satellites up there orbiting Earth, and somehow through the magic of science and technology, they're iterating back and forth against the latitude and longitude that's entered into your phone to make constant adjustments on your route to get you where you want to go. That's the GPS system we all know. Same thing with the life GPS. How am I at my best? And that's my latitude and longitude. And I want to iterate back against that, right, and constantly make adjustments that... Not a bunch of adjustments. Just pick one. Pick one for today that would help, right? So that leads to the second question. What are the routines that you either have in your life or need in your life that make it more likely that you show up at your best? Those routines are in four domains, physical, mental, relational, and spiritual. And based on research that I've done uh, and consumed, research from others that I've consumed and life experience working with clients over the years, I've identified uh, if you're only going to do one thing in each of those domains, here's probably where you should start. Like, here's the killer app, essentially. Uh, Like, for instance, in the physical routine uh, domain, you should eat well, you should get enough sleep. But if you're only going to do one thing for now, move and move throughout the day. And the impact of that is enormous uh, on your physical health, but as as well as your productive, you know, engaged Mm -hmm. leadership health. And then the last question of the GPS is, if so if you are living and leading at your best, what outcomes would you hope or expect to see in the three big arenas of life? Your life at home, your life at work, and your life in the community. And it's not like, oh my gosh, it has to be this precise outcome. It's just like, what would I expect? There's a great line from Gandhi that I like, with regard to every action, one must know the result that is expected to follow. And, mm-hmm. you know, in his tradition, that's called karma. You know, it's like right. if I... If I behave in a certain way, then I should expect certain outcomes, not specific outcomes, but notionally these kinds of outcomes. And that's what I want people to be really clear about. You know, what are they trying to create for themselves and their, and their, and their world and their family and their, and their company or team in each of those arenas, you know, the home, the work, and the community arenas? Mm-hmm. And that's it's so great. When you think about the pyramid you mentioned earlier, that's the really feeding into that foundation, having a great sense of self-awareness, thinking about asking those questions. And it's great. Like you said, just pick one thing and, and, and do that. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, huge. Make it make it manageable, reasonable. And it's what makes it so great. And, you know, in, in the Next dimension, you have a second leadership imperative where it talks about really leveraging your team. What is the biggest challenge there, and what are your tips for doing it? Yeah, the biggest challenge for most leaders is that they have been, still are, a go-to person, Mm, right? mm -hmm. And I see this practically with every leader that I work with uh, and every group that I do some programs for. It's a room full of go-to people. They got where they are because 
they fill in the blank. What do they do that makes them go-to people, Matthew? What's the common characteristic? Sure, yeah. Uh, they get stuff done, right? Go-to yep. people get stuff done. So that's a great thing to be, right? You get promoted, you get recognized. And my joke, it's a great thing to be until it's no longer a great thing to be. And, <laughs> and that's when the scope gets to be so large that you can't operate as the hero or the heroine anymore. You've got to let it go. And so the shift that you've got to make, if you're going to continue to be successful and scale your leadership in a way that helps your organization continue to grow and succeed, you've got to make a shift from being the go-to person to the leader who builds and nurtures teams of go-to people. That's now your job. So like one of the, you know, the pickups and let goes in, in the team part of the book are uh, pick up team reliance, let go of self-reliance, pick up defining what to do, let go of telling how to do it, pick up accountability for many results, let go of responsibility for a few results. Like if you're accountable, you own it. If you're responsible, you do it. As a leader, you should be owning much more than doing. Still the go-to person. And you're, you're right. There's something about what's gotten someone up to that point. They're always in the spotlight. And I remember there was a, a quote or something you said in the book where as we move up into that executive space, you're no longer the one in the spotlight. Rather, you're, I think, didn't you say, it's something like you're shadowing the light from the ones who are on your team. Something like that. Yeah, I think that might have been something. I have a lot of executives that I've interviewed for the book, and I think yeah. that's a quote from one of the executives I interviewed, actually. Yeah. And I, I would say as an executive, you, and this kind of gets into the last part about engaging your colleagues and the organizational presence. As an executive, you are always on stage. You are always in the spotlight. People are always watching you, whether you know it or not. So, right? I mean, there's that aspect of it. But it, that doesn't make you the sun <laughs> yes. in the solar system and right, everything right. revolves around you. Uh, you know, it's just you're very visible as an executive and there are, you know, there are assets and liabilities that come with that. Yes, absolutely. You know, so when we come back for the next the next segment of the show, we're going to take a little bit further and talk about how, why is it so hard for people to delegate? <laughs> that, that's the big one, of course. And then, of course, what you're just talking about here is what is the imperative in terms of engaging with colleagues? And so what we'll do, we'll, we'll take a break here. And when we come back, we'll pick up the conversation. So see you all here in a couple of minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you a game changer in disguise? Are you tired of waking up every day saying, they soar like eagles and I'm stuck in the nest? Well, wonder no more. It's time to soar. Of the world's millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, almost all started with at least one unique idea. Join Crystal for a controversial look at triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a fun, financially free life with her successful guests. Listen to Soaring with Eagles, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. And get ready to soar. We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. 
Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back today. My guest, Scott Eblen, and I are talking about his soon-to-be-released book, The Next Level, What Insiders Know About Executive Success. And this is his third edition of the book. Now, Scott, before break, I alluded to we're going to talk now about probably one of the biggest challenges for individuals who are navigating on up to executive levels, and that's why do so many leaders struggle with effective delegation, and what can they do to be better at it? Well, I think we didn't talk about this earlier, but one of the things that makes letting go so hard is it's an emotional challenge. Like picking up is a cognitive challenge, and letting go is an emotional challenge, and the underlying emotion is fear. I would delegate it, but I'm afraid it won't won't turn out so well, or uh, I would delegate it, but I'm sort of nervous about their capabilities or whatever. Well, I'm afraid it's going to turn out, not going to turn out, I'm nervous. You got to address your fear, and then so that's one big thing. And the way you address fear is through experience. Quite often, it's fear of the unknown. And the way you also address fear is to put some boundaries in place uh, and some guardrails in place. I think a lot of folks, when they think about delegation, they think, "Well, I delegated it, and they didn't do it. Therefore, I'm not going to, or it didn't turn out well." Well, I tried it, so I'm not going to do that anymore because it didn't turn out well. Well, delegation is not like set it and forget it. You know, it's not like go do this and you know, like uh, let me know how it turns out. I mean, there are some people on your team that you can maybe do that with, but that's probably not most of your team. And so, there's not a one size fits all approach to delegation. It really has to be tailored and customized to the outcomes you're trying to create. The, the risk tolerance, the people involved, all of that. One of the things that's actually new in the third edition of the book is I have sidebars throughout the book that I've had these for years called Coachable Moments where it's you know, really simple, practical coaching tips and tools that I use with my clients that seem to work really well for them in the real world. And one that I've added in this edition is a, is a delegation framework called TRACK. And TRACK is an acronym, and, and we've got a worksheet that goes with this. And it just helps you prepare a, a really robust delegation plan. The T stands for what's the task you know, that you're delegating, and there's some questions around what's in scope and out of scope and so forth on the task. The R is what's the clear request that you're going to make of the delegatee uh, you know, or the people that you're delegating it to? What's the request and what are the parameters of the request and so forth? 
the A stands the A stands for achievement. If there is full on success, total achievement on this task, what does it look like? So we're really painting the picture of the outcomes. The C, and I think this is a big one where people really fall on delegation, is for check-ins. What process of checking in are you going to put in place? Is it a light touch? Is it a heavy touch? Is it a regular check-in? Is it come come get me when you need me? Only let me know if something goes wrong. What is it? All of those are valid answers, but you've got to figure out which one is most appropriate in the situation. And then the K in track stands for knowledge and kudos, basically. So, like, what should we learn from this? What's the knowledge that we should gain from this? What are we learning along the way? Let's pull those lessons out. Let's, let's you know, kind of catalog them for next time. And then kudos, you know, like, what's in it for you? Like, what, what are the recognition opportunities? What are the development opportunities uh, that, that you could get out of this as a delegatee? And, you know, being clear about that, you know, like what are the stakes and what are the possible benefits of doing a terrific job with this, you know, if, if you take this on and are successful with it. So TRAC is the acronym. And I've been using that with my clients for four or five years now, and they seem to think it's really helpful, uh, you know, in terms of prepping for the initial delegation conversation and then staying on track with the delegation process over the course of the initiative. Yeah, it's a great metaphor for what we're very, very much talking about here with delegation. And I like how you talk about the emotional challenge of delegating underlying all of that as a fear. And I'm reminded of when we're in that limelight before we get to that executive level, because we are the go-to person, we're the one everyone goes to, that emotionally we feel really great inside and those great endorphins are released, right? I mean, it just reinforces, hey, I feel good. I want to stay in this place. So I like being that go-to person. Yeah, you get a lot of positive feedback. It's a lot of reinforcement. And that's, again, it's great until it's no longer great. Eventually, you're going to level out, you know, and, and plateau. Because, right. you know, the, the, the most effective leaders are the ones that, you know, it's a one plus one equals three kind of situation, which sets us up really for the engaging the colleagues thing. You've got to be able to play a bigger game. And, and if you're doing everything yourself you're not going to have the bandwidth to play a bigger game yes and so when that fear is creeping up you've got to stop and have a real conversation with yourself to where is this coming from and everything that you've talked about up to this point I want to move to the third leadership imperative and that's to engage your colleagues mm-hmm. what's what's really talk about why that's so important well, I actually just kind of mentioned this uh, just a moment ago. It's it's the bigger game opportunities, right? Um, right. Yeah. You know, it's 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 leaning into. I mean, I, well, first of all, it's identifying and then leaning into the opportunities that are bigger than you and your team can accomplish on your own. I mean, there's only so much that you and your team are going to do on your own because the agenda is scoped in a narrow way or because the resources aren't there, whatever. I mean, it's just your team is one part of a larger organization, and so you've got to work with your peers. Uh, your peer-level leaders, more senior leaders, people down into the organization, people on the diagonals. I think of it as like a 360-degree approach to your network. You know, it's just like you're working with anybody who can help you create bigger and better outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. And so that calls for collaboration. Uh, It calls for really managing your network in a very strategic and thoughtful way doesn't mean that you have to go to a bunch of networking events, but it's really just like figuring out what are we working on, what could we or what should we be working on that requires innovative thinking, expertise that I don't have or my team doesn't have, or 
resources or experience that we need to collaborate with these people because together we're going to create a much better outcome. Um, it's, it's all of those things, and that's why some of those reasons are why engaging your colleagues is so important. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you hit on the innovation piece. I mean, you have more minds that are working together collectively from different aspects of the business. That's when you're yeah. going to get some cool things that come forward. Yeah, totally. And I think I, I've, I, I do a really simple uh, networking analysis uh, with when I'm leading a leadership program. We have a room full of people, and it's, it's basically eight questions. And fill in the, the space underneath the questions with the names of real individual people. Who, like, who do you go to for new ideas? Who do you work with who really gets it on top line growth? Who do you go to just to ha- who do you like to just hang out with? Whatever. And when people write that in, quite often what they'll see is, wow, these are the same people I talk to all the time. Or uh, these are these people on this list are the same people that would have been on this list five years ago. Or I have a few people that are in seven of the eight boxes or whatever. And what it tells them is that they're not casting their net wide enough. You know, it's like the old line about if if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. Mm-hmm. And and it's the same thing with people you work with. And you if you always work with the same people, you're not going to create new outcomes. And so you've really got to turn your radar on and say, okay, who else is out there, either inside or, in, inside or outside this organization that I need to partner with, and my team we need to partner with, you know, to get mm-hmm. some new stuff going here. And when they're writing it down on a piece of paper and they see it for themselves, ta-da. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like right, literally staring them in the face. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Nothing more. So, you know, what are some of the steps that, you know, you've already mentioned a number of them, but you think about playing that bigger game. Mm-hmm. What are some initial steps or things for people to be thinking about? I think one thing to think about is what are you working on? You know, what are you working on or what do you want to work on that uh, that would matter? And I, I encourage people who are too busy to network, which pretty much I always ask a room full of leaders, how many of you think networking is, like, really important? And 100% of the hands will go up. Great. So everybody thinks it's important. Mm-hmm. How many of you think you're doing a really great job of managing your network? And about 5% of the hands go up. So there's a huge gap. Everybody believes it's important, but hardly anybody thinks they're doing a good job at it. And it's because they don't have time. They, they, they think they don't have the time to do it. Well, good news, you don't have to do a bunch of extra stuff. Just be clear about what you're working on and then be ready to do. I've got, like, boiled it down to a five-step thing and uh, process, and this is in the book as well. Uh, first, step number one is be relevant. I mean, because nobody's, everybody's too busy for irrelevant stuff. And so relevant, what are you working on that's relevant? Why is it relevant? And be really clear about that with yourself and be ready to quickly explain to other people why it is. Step two is have a clear declaration of what you're working on and why it matters. And because you don't want to make people like work too hard to figure out what you're doing, right? Mm, right. Get it down to the length of a tweet, like a 140-character tweet about what it is and why it matters, then I think you've got it. That's a good test as to whether or not you're being succinct enough. Mm. Step number three is to, is to make a clear request. You know, like, I know you've worked on something like this in the past. Could I get an hour of your time to get the data download from you on what you've learned? Or you've got some resources on your team I'd love to partner with. Could we figure out a way to do that together? Step number four is be prepared to make an offer, right? You've just made a request. You've got to show enough interest in what that other person is working on and really listen to what it is and why it matters and think about what resources could I offer them 
that would help them. And if you do all those four things well, then that builds trust. You know, and we don't have to, like, talk to each other every month to sustain our trust that way. We had a good experience together, you know, and it worked out well. We did what we said we were going to do. We honored each other. And, yeah, I'd take your call or your email the next time, six months or a year from now, because, you know, I trust you because Mm -hmm. it was all good, you know, in that experience that we had together. So I think that's a really, you know, that's one way, a really, you know, kind of tangible way, set of ways to engage your colleagues. So stop, step back, and take a a deep dive. And what what are you working on? What's the purpose? And how do all the people fit into it? It's a great piece for us to stop here. We'll go to a commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you the big question. What advice do you give to people wanting tangible, make tangible steps to get into the space. So what we'll do, we'll take a commercial break and we'll be back here on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. What makes you a success? Is it your business or career? Is it your family and social life? How do you achieve the next level in your success? Tune in to Infinite Success Radio with host Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Rachel and her amazing guests are here to encourage, inspire, and empower you to take control of your destiny and achieve the level of success you were born to reach. How do ordinary people become extraordinary? Find out with Infinite Success Radio, broadcasting live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to the show. Today's show has focused on looking at that next level and learning from successful executives. And my guest today is Scott Eblen, a notable leader in this space. Now, Scott, what's your one best piece of advice for leaders who want to take tangible steps to be more successful at that next level? 
I love, you want one or more than one? Got, that's my that's my favorite question actually to ask at the end of a feedback interview for a coaching client is what's your one best piece of advice for this person? I guess <clears throat> my excuse me for a second, clear my throat. Um, I guess my first piece of advice uh, I'm going to break it up into one piece of advice for each of the three leadership imperatives that we've talked about: managing oh, yourself, leveraging your perfect. team, engaging your colleagues. Is that okay? That works great, yes. Okay, so uh, in the manage yourself space, if I had one piece of advice, it would be breathe. And I mean breathe so that your belly moves out on the inhale and in on the exhale. And you can put your hand on your belly to make sure that it's moving out on the inhale and, and in on the exhale because that activates your parasympathetic nervous system Uh and most leaders that I work with are in a chronic state of fight or flight. Their sympathetic nervous system is on overdrive. Uh, in the short run, that makes them less effective as leaders and decision makers and communicators. In the long run, it makes them die earlier. And so one way that you can quickly get yourself out of fight or flight is to breathe deeply from your belly. And it clears your mind. It resets your body and your physiology. It puts you in a better position to be more effective and show up the way you need to show up as a leader and um, just create some space and, you know, it lengthens the gap between stimulus and response and it allows you to be more aware and intentional about how you're showing up. So breathe is my number one piece of advice for managing yourself. Uh, for leveraging your team, I would say let go of your version of how, you know, pick up defining what to do, let go of telling how to do it. If you think about your career as a leader, there's probably at least one episode in your career that you were thrown into in a leadership role where the stakes were really high, it was really scary, and they just said, figure it out, right? And you figured it out. And that's exactly what is the biggest developmental experience of your career is some, the what was really high and they left you alone to figure out how to do it. And as a leader, you need to create the same space for your team to figure out their version of how. And you might be surprised to see that their version of how is at least as good as is not better than yours. And if it's better than yours, celebrate that because, wow, now we're getting some leverage and now we can scale things. And so let go of your version of how. Uh, and my third piece of advice for uh, engaging your colleagues is go on a listening tour. And what I mean by that, and there's a, a set of questions in the Next Level book in this part of the book on organizational presence and, and engaging your colleagues. It's a set of generic questions to have a listening tour. Like, if this year were wildly successful for you, peer-level colleague, what would happen and why does that matter? Um, what can I do to support you in that? What do you need from my team and me? And so they're all questions that are directed towards the other person's success, and you're trying to learn as much as you can about how you can help them. I do this all the time with my clients and, and workshops and other programs that we do. I get them paired up with a, uh, an adjacent colleague, and they have that conversation in each direction, and they are always thrilled to see, oh, my gosh, we have some really tangible things we can work on together, and they build their relationships in about eight minutes, you know, eight minutes in each direction mm -hmm. for that conversation. Everybody loves it. Nobody does it. I mean, like, you know, like, did you like that conversation? Did you get a lot of it? Oh, yeah, Definitely. Have you ever been on the receiving end of questions like that before? Hardly ever. So it's a huge mm -hmm. differentiator if you're a leader to be the person that, that conducts those listening tour kinds of conversations where you are sincerely interested in what success looks like to them and trying to figure out how you can help them be successful. 
there is something very powerful about how having that person envision what can be and the possibility of great things and it the whole tone of the conversation just goes in such a positive direction reminds me of appreciative inquiry if you will yeah what, yeah what, totally yeah totally very much your recommendations here they're so tangible breathe let go of your version <laughs> of how and go on a listening tour so like why I are said, we doing I try it? to keep it simple. You know, simple, practical, immediately applicable. That's that's my test. Oh, I, I love it. It's the power of three, and we all can do it. The first thing is just breathe so we have access yeah. to our full brain. So nice. Thank you. You know, Scott, I really just appreciate everything you've talked about today, today, giving us a glimpse into your book that's about to come out next week. And I want to ask you for all the listening audience out there who might want to get in touch in touch with you or make contact, mm-hmm. what's the best for, way for them to do that? Well, I have a couple of suggestions. If you want to learn more about The Next Level book, uh, we've got a special website for that. It's thenextlevel.info, and I would encourage you. We've got actually some special authors between now and next week when the book is officially published. Uh, I'll be doing some webinars and things like that for people that uh, will go deeper on some of this stuff for people that pre-order the book, and so I encourage everybody to go there and check it out. And if you want to learn, that, that that's the nextlevel.info. And if you want to learn more about me and the Eplin Group and what we do and how we do it, you can go to eplingroup.com. Fantastic. I have to tell you, while we've been talking, I'm getting messages, you know, from listening listeners, and they're saying I've already ordered the book. So, hey, awesome. Scott. Well, good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> That's great. Well, good so, you for don't... you, listeners. And, and seriously, if you have ordered the book while you've been listening, go to the nextlevel.info, and we've got some information about send us the proof of purchase, and we'd love to get you on the webinar that we're going to do for folks that have uh, pre-ordered the book. I think you'll like it. Well, that's a great incentive. I will be there as well. So you oh, know, sweet. Okay. <laughs> now, Scott, before we go, I'd like to ask my guests, what are you working on right now? What are you reading? What are you doing to enrich yourself and keep him besides this book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so I've got a couple of answers on, on the what am I reading? I'm reading. I think the book is it's a novel called A Gentleman in Moscow. <laughs> okay. It's about uh, about I'm about two or three chapters in. Um, and it's it's pretty compelling. It's about a, a, an aristocrat who was locked up in the top of a hotel in the Bolshevik Revolution, and it goes on from there. Uh, it got good reviews last year, so I thought I'd read it. And then the other thing I'm doing, like which I'm just like totally absorbed in, is I bought uh, uh, a mid-range black. It is like a cool black Fender Stratocaster guitar. <laughs> Fender's got an app called Fender Play, and they're like three to eight minute guitar lessons. There are five levels. I'm almost done with level two, so I'm teaching myself how to play rock and roll guitar in the evenings, and I'm just geeking out on that. I love it. Oh, fantastic. You know what I love about this is that you didn't tell me business books per se, but rather other things that are, that are opening up and stimulating different parts of your brain. And that's, you know, yeah. when I when I engage with executives who are successful, that's one thing they always tell me is, you know, read a novel, go out, pursue your hobbies and things. So I appreciate that. So, Scott, thanks so much for being here today. And I I look forward to hearing more as we you do your podcasts and other, other sessions. So thanks so much. I and for you, everyone, Matthew, thank you. You bet. And, you know, for everyone out there listening, if you've got a topic, a special guest you would like to have be a part of the show, please let me know. You can email me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. And so, 
Until next time, harness your positive energy and lead that transformation. And we'll talk with you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.